Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to your feet we wipe off against you. That clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them from little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Please pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this community. Please fill this tent with your spirit. Be with us and give us the wisdom, the vision, and the courage to build your kingdom in every little way by loving you and loving each other. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for the time of teaching as well. I pray that you please bless Brian and give him wisdom in the words to tell us everything that you want us to know. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good morning, everyone. All right. We, uh, we started a couple weeks ago on, on Luke chapter 9 and looking at what it means to create a missional culture. And at the core of that, we said that a crucial aspect of who God is is that he is a sending God, that it is in his nature to be sending, and the best example of that is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He sent uh, sent the Holy Spirit as well. And so we know that all throughout the Bible that he is a sending God. Last week we looked at a, a very difficult, challenging passage, and that was for us to consider the cost of what it really means to follow him. And while while it is a hard word that Jesus says, there is a a simple beauty to it in this sense. If you've, ever, if you've ever been misguided or misled about something, 
you, you have really bad feelings towards that person who misled you about something. Or if you've been to something, I've, I've experienced this, where we've put on an event before, and it was, it was promised one thing, and then there was something else like a surprise at the end, and people felt misled, they felt manipulated. And, and you just, there's something we all naturally resist against that. And so Jesus just clearly says, if you want to follow me, consider the cost. Not trying to, I don't have some hidden agenda here. I don't promise a beautiful, easy life of success and wealth. It's a hard life. It's a hard road. So this morning we continue and we look at this really amazing passage about the 72 that Jesus sends out. And at the very, at the most simple form of this morning's sermon, it's about this, that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are all messengers. We are all messengers. We are all communicators of the kingdom of God, of the gospel. The reality is, we're not. All right, so here's this weird situation. The Bible says we are. If you look at statistics, according to something I read this week, I think it was 90-something percent, I forget the exact number, um, according to a Gospel Coalition study, 90-some percent of people don't ever talk about Jesus. And so we have to wrestle with this or think through this for a moment, all right? Um, it starts, and let me start with it like this. You will never understand your role of being sent out until you've been pulled in by God. Until you've had an experience with Him. If you've never had a God experience, it's very difficult to go out. The best example, and there are several, but let me, let me help you understand this idea of before you can be sent out, you have to be drawn in. There are all kinds of gimmicks and programs and events that try to create a culture of, of missional, of being sent out, of seeing your Christian life as being a sent out one. In fact, I remember as a little kid, they had one, and, and I actually won. And it was, this, it, was this, it was a contest. And the contest was to see who could bring the most friends to church. And if you won, you won a fishing pole. And I loved to fish. I was a little kid. I think I was in second or third, third grade. And I was motivated. I wanted the free fishing pole. And um, it was one of those ones about this long. And uh, it lasted for about a week, maybe. But the idea of, of what can we do, what little gimmick can we come up with as a church to get you all to bring people to church? And we all know that that just doesn't work. That we don't want to be about that here. We don't want to be about trying to create some event or program or some false sense of, of reward for actually living out your faith in Christ. This is, this is what I believe. The, the only way that this becomes a reality is if you are honestly drawn into the presence of God. Then you will, you will share what God has done in your life to people. Think of it like this. Years ago, uh, I, I went to Kauai by myself. I was going to plan on living there. And I had like three or four weeks by myself. Everyone else was working. 
and I was there trying to find a job and find a place to live. And so I would do things like, I would go snorkeling, right? We all like to go snorkeling in Hawaii. And I'd go snorkeling by myself. And after about 20 minutes, I was bored to death. I, I would find all these cool things swimming around, and I'd be like, I'd want to tell someone. There's no one to tell. You naturally want to, to share things that are positive, that are exciting, that are happening in your life. No one has to tell me um, when one of my boys does something great in a baseball game to tell someone else about it. Or if they make the all-star team and put a picture on Facebook, that's my boy. Okay? That's intrinsic. That's within me. Um, you, if you have something exciting happen in your life, you get a new boyfriend or girlfriend, you, you go and tell people. If you get engaged, you tell people. If you have a baby, you tell people. You get a new job, you tell people. And so there is not, you don't have to be told. And so let me give you a couple of examples from the Bible about this idea. And maybe the best one is, if you want to write this down to some Bible references, a little bit more than normal, but it just, it's the point, okay? Um, Exodus chapter 3 is a story about Moses and the burning bush. God draws him into his presence, and he has this unique and powerful God experience. And what does God say to him? I'm sending you. I'm sending you to my people to deliver them from their bondage. <clears throat> God draws him in and immediately sends him out. All throughout the Bible, here's some stories people you know about. Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Um, Gideon in Judges chapter 6, Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of these people have a God experience and God sends them out. That it is just, it's an intrinsic part of who you are as a Christian. Alright, and go back to Luke, we'll go back to the, the passage that, that Luke, excuse me, that Joel read in Luke. And here's, here's where we see the drawn-in aspect uh, in Luke. Luke chapter 5, and I'll just, I'm going to summarize it really quickly. Luke chapter 5 says this. This is when Jesus first calls his disciples. Um, Luke 5 verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when we had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Been fishing all night, so what are you talking about, Jesus? But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help. And they came and filled both the boats, and they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. God had drawn him in. Jesus will send them out. And so, we see that uh, the crucial aspect, or the natural aspect that's important, is that we want you to experience God. And that happens through worship, that happens through His Word. But then to understand that messengers have a responsibility. 
a responsibility to share with, how, with, with others how God has changed their life. And so we are not going to go just detailed through the, the whole passage that Joel read, but just some key observations, all right? And number one is, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? All followers of Jesus are messengers. All followers of Jesus are messengers that totally depend on God, that totally depend on God because the mission is dangerous. Jesus starts out, or the, uh, chapter 10 starts out, after this the Lord, Lord appointed 72 others. All right, this just flies in the face. This is counter to American Christianity. American Christianity says, um, professional pastors, go out and do your thing, whatever you're supposed to do. You 12 apostles, you 12 disciples, do the church stuff. Everyone else will just sit and, and have coffee and enjoy and have a nice day. Jesus says the 72. That means everybody. Everybody who experiences God is a messenger. It's a new paradigm, a new way of thinking that all believers, all followers of Jesus have an equal responsibility. He sends them out two by two, partnering with people ahead of Jesus. And he says this, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. People are in desperate need. People are hurting and the workers are few to bring the good news of the gospel to all the people. Jesus says this, Therefore, because there are few workers, pray earnestly. Petition before the Lord on your knees that He will send more workers. He says, Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. The mission is dangerous. When we think about this for a minute, Jesus as, as the shepherd of the sheep of us, sending us out as wolves, amongst the wolves. We all, we all like to be comfortable. And, you know, I was thinking about this week as far as just my life and just trying to be honest and, and let Jesus' words speak to us. My life is comfortable, easy, secure. I get paid every single month. Um, I have sick days. I've got vacation days. My life, um, basically, if I do my job, do my work, I get paid and life can just roll on day after day, week after week, year after year, and just invest in fun things. And we have to just reconcile, are we going to, as a church community, are you going to take the words of Jesus at face value, or do we have to twist them to fit our life? Or are we willing to twist our lives according to Jesus? Is our life, are we doing things for God? Are we willing to risk? And I know, I know Brian just mentioned something about money, and that's not why I'm going to say what I'm going to say. But I, just, I honestly feel that you know, for me, my own life, and our family, just really thinking through that, about how much stuff we buy to play with and have fun with. And it will become, your life will become more risky if you give more money away to people who need it, who are hurting and broken and who have nothing. I was at Starbucks early this morning, and 
And, uh, you know, I buy the coffee there for the church, and then Brian picks it up. But one of the workers there asked me and said, you know, there's a woman that, um, that I've befriended here, and she just really wants to take a shower. She hasn't bathed in a long time. Do you guys have a shower at your church? And, you know, I had to say, no, I'm sorry, we don't, but, but I'm gonna, I'll try to do something. I've got a few ideas. All right, but just even the, the mindset of this, are, are you willing, are, are we, are you willing to do anything risky at all? I'm sending you out as lambs, as innocent lambs going out amongst the wolves. There are, all, there are opportunities, um, there are endless opportunities for us as followers of Jesus to go out, to be sent ones. And I know um, we've had people from our church just go to amazing places, amazingly dangerous places. So it can mean going out. It can mean living here and just living out your faith in an authentic way. Uh, I was just thinking about this, the concept of the harvest is plentiful. There are so many subcultures here in Malibu. And I was just, you know, even in my own life as far as um, there's a little league culture. Um, there's my school culture. Uh, yesterday, the triathlon. There is definitely a triathlete culture all these fit people running around with all their cool bikes and clothes and all their little things, all their little toys they like to buy. All right, there's a biking culture. We got lots of, we got a surfing culture. We've, all of us are in different cultures, subcultures here in Malibu. And Jesus says, I'm sending you out. Be as innocent and as compassionate as a lamb amongst the wolves. And then he says this, carry no money bag, no knapsack or sandals and greet no one on the road. There is a sense of urgency that we are messengers. And you will be a messenger when God changes your own life, your own heart. When you have a God experience, you will naturally share that and go out. <clears throat> he goes on. We're messengers, but what message do you send with your lifestyle? And this is, a, this is just an amazingly powerful passage. What is the message you send with your lifestyle? Verse 5 says this, Whenever you enter the house, first say, Peace. Peace to this house. What is our message? We're peacemakers. We're peacemakers. We go on, it says, verse 9 says this, Heal the sick. We're healers. We have a message of good news, but you've got to understand this. You all are healers. People, people's hearts are broken. People need encouragement. People need to be strengthened. Jesus sends us out as healers, as peacemakers. Just think about this. We, uh, this is almost always true. In our own lives, we all have deep struggles and pain. We all know people that are going through struggles and pain. And the, the responsibility of the sent out ones are healers to bring together things that have been torn apart. Think about relationships, friendships, marriages, father-son relationships, mother-daughter, so many things get torn apart in this world. We 
are sent out to be healers. Physical, emotional, spiritual. They're, listen, we live in a world, if there's anything that gets me discouraged sometimes, that is the, just this overwhelming feeling sometimes that sin wins, that sin is winning, that relationships are being destroyed. My boys fight. I had this little fantasy that I'm just going to have this happy, fun family all the time. All right? There is so much discouragement. The number of people that struggle with depression, anxiety, fear, loneliness, isolation. Are we awake? Are we in tune to people? Even in our own gathering this morning, there are people that feel isolated and lonely and are broken and are hurting. We are sent out as healers, as people who will pray. It is as simple as this. I'll listen to you. I'll pray for you. I'll be here for you. I'm not going to always quote you a Bible verse. I'll be your friend. I love you. I'm here for you. Jesus says, we're peacemakers. And it's, you know, if you've been watching the news, you know, the last few days or so, it's, 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 a, it's a dangerous time. We have people, we, you know, we have Americans all around the world that are in, just in, in dangerous places. And to, to view yourself as a Christian, you are a peacemaker. Just started teaching again. This is my first week back to school and, and, you know, actually teaching. And I teach American history. And we're just getting into stuff. And the kids always say, well, like, how, do, how does this war start? How did the American Revolutionary War start? And, and I think I've said this before, but, I, you know, I'll bring up a boy that I know well. And I'll slug him in the arm. And I'll say, okay, pretend I'm not your teacher. What are you going to do next? He hits me back a little bit harder. Then I hit him back a little bit harder. <laughs> then he shoves me. That, no, not really. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit, that's true. All right? And it is within all of us. Our natural instinct is to escalate. Think about the things that come out of our mouths with our spouses or our friends. Escalate tension. We are sent out peacemakers. We are sent out healers. We are sent out ones who... Don't fight for our rights. We are sent out ones who love other people. We're messengers. We're healers. We're people of action. We're people who do things. We're people who actively pursue peace. Listen, you will not be a peacemaker ever until you've had an encounter with God. That's part of the reason why we worship you can't leave here. You won't make it to the gate if you are trying to live on your own morality because I say be a peacemaker and you say, that's a good idea. That's a good thing for everybody. That's a better thing for our community to be a peacemaker. You'll make it to the gate. Someone will cut you off and you'll flip them off. That's how far you'll get. Unless, unless you've had a God experience. Unless you open your heart and you open your mind to what God is doing and how He wants to speak to you. The words of Christ are speaking to you. We're messengers. We're healers. 
But next, we are also people who warn. We, people, we are people who warn. And I'm, I'm not going to read it all this morning. But um, in verses 10 through 16, Jesus is talking about the, the idea of woe. And look at verse 13 just for a minute. It says, woe to you, Chorazin. The idea of woe is this intense, broken sorrow. <coughs> and here's the warning. The warning is that time is passing on. Time stops for nobody. And at one point, at one point in the future, there will be a time of judgment. And Jesus is saying, with compassion, with understanding, with gentleness, warn people that time is going on. And the older you get, the more crazy it goes by. And to understand not in a self-righteous, religious way, but in a compassionate, peaceful way to warn people, are you sure you want to live your life this way? Is this the path that will bring you genuine happiness? Are you willing to think clearly about the direction of your life and what's truly important? Jesus says clearly that one day, a time will come when all people will give an account. Verse 16 says, the one, who hears, the one who hears, you hear me, and the one who rejects, you reject me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. One of the most disheartening things, and I've experienced this before, <clears throat> is people who will come to church literally year after year after year and never open their heart or their mind to the gospel and think it's about becoming a good moral person and just trying to take little lessons about being, becoming better. Being better gets you nowhere. We learned this summer from um, the Beatitudes that the entrance into the kingdom of God is spiritual brokenness. It's when you understand that your best effort, your best moral day falls short. The time is coming. Time is going by quickly. We are sent out as people who warn. So we're messengers. We are healers, healers. And we warn people. But we do it with the right motive. And this is, <clears throat> this is one of the... You should just underline this passage. 17, uh, 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. There is a power, a power available to Christians. A power to do what? A power to heal. But look at carefully what they say. In your name. There is no power without Jesus Christ. And the power is given to restore to mend broken hearts, to restore relationships, to reconcile people's lives who have been fractured and torn apart, to rebuild trust. Jesus in this passage so clearly lays out the mission of our lives, that this is what we are to do. Whatever culture you are in, and we've got a lot of different people groups here doing different things in their lives, Whatever subgroup you are a part of, you are 
on a mission with a message to bring healing to people's lives. But if you get the motive wrong, you, you destroy everything. You blow it all up. Look what Jesus says, verse 18. And he said to them, this is Jesus, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That means that Jesus is deity, that before the foundations of the world, Jesus is God, and he sees what's happening. You have the power. You just need to dwell on this just for a moment. You have the power to restrain evil with the message of the gospel. The power to restrain evil. And evil will fight to the death. But through and in the name of Jesus, there is a power that is available Behold, I have given you authority. But verse 20 says this, the right motive is essential. Verse 20 says this, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Do not rejoice in your power. You have power. Are we going to sit passively by while evil triumphs? You have power. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in the power that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here is what destroys churches. We wonder why churches and, and even marriages sometimes are torn apart. Two words. Religious pride. When you begin to put power ahead of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, you become religiously arrogant. And I guarantee you this, it's, a, it's only a matter of time before destruction and divide happens. We've, most of us have probably experienced this. A self-righteous, self-righteous religious person, at first, we might be impressed, but then as time goes by, and the manipulation, and the control, and the look at me, what happens then is we begin to look at the gifts instead of Jesus. We can never lose sight that we gather to worship the name of Jesus. Yes, He has empowered you all to be healers, to be active, to be sent out ones with a message of healing. But it's never about the giftedness. Rejoice. Build your life. Rejoice. Find your identity that your names are written in heaven. That is the message that is the right motivation. Never about how, how many cool things you do or how good you are or how spiritual you are or how many people do the, all these little things that are part of your little group. The message is rejoice in what God has done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 21 through 24 ends with a blessing. Jesus thankfully gives us hard words and gives us Words of blessing and comfort. And he says this, In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Okay, so he's saying here, I don't care how smart you are, how intellectual you think you are, or how religious you think you are, or how influential you think you are. All of the things of the world that we find attractive. It says, act with the simplicity of little children. You know, I've, 
I've heard this a few times just over the last couple of years, just even in our church, where people feel a little bit maybe intimidated because of, I don't know what, I don't know what, but some Bible that people have Bible knowledge, or if you're a new believer or, and you're coming here. All I can say really about that is if you're new here, man, we're, we're little children. I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a child trying to figure it out like you. Yes, um, did this seminary and all that stuff, but man, honestly, that means nothing. It means I paid a lot of money and I loved it and, and it was a good thing for me, but it means nothing. I don't, I don't even know where my diploma is. I have no idea. I probably lost it. it we, should, we should function with the beauty of desiring Christ, of desiring Him, of desiring intimacy with Him, because I guarantee you, I know all the leaders of the church really well, and, and we're broken people that sincerely want to follow Jesus, and we invite you in to be a part. But we want to be, we want to be creating a culture that understands that there's more to life than just waking up and working, or going to school, making money, and just letting the days pass you by. There is something profound that God has called you to do. And that, that is to be a messenger, a healer, someone who's compassionate and loves people. He finishes up and says, All of these things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, or, the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, we're going to finish in worship. And you know, my hope is that, that we would create a culture, that our values of what we hold high here is that we understand that we are not sent out ones because of, I'm going to give you a fishing pole because you talk to your friend about Jesus, but because of something deep within you, because you've experienced the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. And that yes, the road is challenging, and you will re be rejected. But there's something more valuable in your life, and that is your personal Savior, Jesus Christ, that will embolden you and give you the power to live out your life in transparency, with honesty, but with a passion and a, and a compassion that others may come to know Jesus because of what He's done in your own heart. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would just break through this morning in our hearts. That we would, that we would tear down the facade of, of having to pretend that we've got it all together. That we can be honest. Father, I know that it is difficult to be vulnerable before you. But I just pray that this, this morning that we could do that that we could be vulnerable before you, on our knees before you, desiring to understand in a deep, meaningful way what it means to follow you. Father, I pray that we would leave here this morning seeing ourselves as messengers sent out to bring healing by how we live our lives and by the words we say. Father, I pray that we would be peacemakers, compassionate, loving people,
who see and sense the deep calling on our lives to share the good news of how you've changed our own lives. Father, forgive us as a church if we have become complacent with the gospel. Ignite in our hearts, again, the understanding of our own sin and that despite that, you still love us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and pray the Holy Spirit would be here filling our hearts and minds, compelling us into action to love people. In Jesus' name, amen.